You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as the family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Good morning. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors, and I am so happy to be here this morning. Uh, I missed the last four Sundays. Uh, we had a, a to be quarantined for a while, and so it's been over a month since I've been in this room, so it's, I'm just thrilled to be in this room, and I thought, I'm going to wear a tie this morning. I'm just so excited to, to be together. I mean, part of that is when I was in quarantine, I cleaned my closet, and I saw all these ties. I'm like, I never wear these, so might as well wear them once in a while, but I'm in quarantine, and you know, we, we've been saying for, for as long as I can remember, probably 30 years, we're not coming together for church. We are the church coming together. And, you know, as I was preparing this morning, I was in thinking, and as we've been talking about, you know, what to do in 2021 and, and what the church looks like and what the church is going to look like in, in the years to come, are we really the church coming together or are we just coming together for church? I, I invite you in this room, on your, on your couch, wherever you are at, do you believe that you are the church and that we are gathering together? Or is just Sunday morning, this two hours, is this all that we do when we think about church, because that's really what it's about, that when we look at what it means to be the church, we want to be more than just gathering for a few moments on a Sunday. We want to be the church. We, we want to be a force in our community. We want to be love in the North Country. We want to see North Country change because we love the North Country, that we love the world, that we love each other, that we, we love God and we show each other what he is all about. We are the church coming together, amen? I, I, I always challenge people when they, when they ask me, you know, why do, why do you do the slides the way you do? Or you should really open the windows or you should do this. I say, we. Can you change the you to we? It's a we, that we are in this together. I just challenge you, when you think about the church, when you think about what we do, when you think about Sunday morning, when you think about guided home groups, when you think about tuning in online, we are the church coming together. We've been talking about soul training for a couple of weeks, and you know, people talk about New Year's resolutions. I know I'm about a month late, but I've been gone for a month. <laughs> we talk about New Year's resolutions, and some people don't like New Year's resolutions. I personally love them. I love turning over the page on a new year and thinking about what are some things that I want to grow in in the coming year. And the year, does it ever go as planned? <laughs> do you, do, 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 how many times do we complete our New Year's resolutions? I mean, I hardly ever complete them exactly how I thought I wanted to. But what I, what I love about the idea of New Year's resolutions, what I love about the idea of a new year, and this new year did not start off the way I wanted to in quarantine, but when I think about the new year, I think about rhythms. What rhythms do I want in my life? You know, what, what do I want to make a part of my life? What, do, what are the things that I want to see happen all the time? Like, what, what do I want to be more like? What do I want to do more of? And build those rhythms into our life. And, and we've been looking at a few of those um, this, past, this past month. And this morning, I want to talk about Bible reading. One of those things that just Christians do or we like to do, or we think we should do, is, is read our Bibles. Why? Why read our Bibles? Why do this? Life is a marathon, isn't it? Life is a, we talk about life being a grind, and we need to get training in us. We need to get the Word in us, as, as, as Elaine was saying, so that we can face 
every new day, so that we can face 2020, so that we can face 2021, to be encouraged in our souls and our spirits when we face whatever comes our way, <clears throat> that we're prepared for it. That's, a, that's why we read the scriptures. Um, the Bible is not like any other book on your shelf. Well, I, don't, I haven't seen your shelf, but I'm willing to guess that the Bible is not like any other book on your shelf. How many of you read poetry regularly? Throw a hand up online, use that little clicker thing, whatever. I don't even know how to do the hand thing. But, or, or how many of you read poetry regularly? Nobody in here? Oh, a couple of people. I don't. <laughs> how, how many people in high school read Shakespeare and thought, I love reading Shakespeare? Anybody? I thought there'd be a few. There's a few. Same poetry. I, I, I just, I, I like to, th I like to th say that I like Shakespeare, but I just didn't, I just didn't get it. Or my wife really likes a show. I'll, I'll, I'll try to pronounce it right. Downton, Downton, Downton Abbey. Downtown Abbey, I call it. And, and she'll be watching Downton Abbey, and I'm like, what are they saying? I can't even understand what they're saying. And, and you watch it for a little while, and you pick up on it. I, I, I know, I'm not that thick. But, but the, you know, there's different types of writing, different types of literature that are, that are difficult to understand. And the Bible, I'll be honest, is one of those pieces of literature. The Bible is extremely unique. It was written by 40 different authors in three different languages over a course of 2,000 years. A lot changes in culture and language. And to think we can just pick up the book and read it like we do our Facebook page, we, we aren't approaching the Bible properly. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that we are. The Bible is difficult to process, and that's okay. I, I want us to like acknowledge that. There's some, there's some portions of Scripture where you're like, oh, that's, that's easy, I got it. And other portions, you're like, what are they talking about? That's okay. I, I, I put a link at the bottom of your notes, and on the notes online, there's some great videos from the Bible Project, How to Read the Bible. I recommend to go there. Oh, you can check that out later. But I have some, some passages on, on the notes in front of you. Why do we read the Bible? And I'm going to read three of these. I'm going to skip the other ones for right now. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, speaking of the Old Testament. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. God promised everything to the son as inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. God speaks through his prophets. God speaks through the life of Jesus. God speaks through those who write about the life of Jesus, through the gospels, through Paul. When we read the scriptures, we're reading what God is speaking He's trying to speak to us. In Psalm 109, it says, How sweet your words taste to me, and they are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That we hope that as we read the scriptures, as we read the Psalms, as we read the Proverbs, as we absorb wisdom, that it gets into us, that we have the light to walk, that, we're, that we see what is wrong, and we, and we know that it's wrong, and we don't follow those ways. We, we follow what is right. In Psalm chapter 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around the sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all that they do. That's our hope, that as, as we engage Jesus, as we, as we read the scriptures, that, that we can pr 
prosper in all that we do, that we can see life happening in us. And I know life is tough, but we want to see life in the midst of the darkness. We want to see light invade the world. In our, in our Bible reading plan that, that Elaine mentioned, this week we're going we're gonna to turn to the book of Acts. And I want to look at, a, at a, a chapter, a couple chapters in the book of Acts, and look at the life of a guy named Philip. And Philip, there's a couple Philips in the Bible, but the one in the book of Acts that we look at in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 8, that's all we know about this man. And in Acts chapter 6, um, what's happening there is that there's a lot of work to be done, and there's a lot of stuff getting neglected, and they're not getting as much work done as they thought they would as the church. And so the, the disciples of Jesus, they appoint seven others to help them with the work. And, and two of them are Stephen and Philip and then some other names that are hard to pronounce. And then in the, in the chapters after that, we read about, about a couple of events in the life of Stephen and the life of Philip. And Philip is the one that I want to look at today. So let's go to Acts chapter 8. So remembering Acts chapter 1, verse 8, our memory verse for this week, it said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and if, you look at a, if you look at a map while you're reading this, you see Jerusalem is a city, and it's within Judea, and Samaria is a bit farther out, and then the ends of the earth is even farther out. And so what, what's happening in this verse is he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses here, and there, and farther down there, and then way over there. <laughs> How's that for translation? That we want to be witnesses of the life that Jesus brings, of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, here, over there, and maybe even a bit farther. And so we come to Acts chapter 8. And Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, Saul was one of the witnesses. We've just read about, about Stephen um, preaching the gospel and then being killed by, because of it. And he agreed completely, Steve, uh, sorry, Saul agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. More to come later, read chapter 9, 10. It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. We see this man, Philip, how, I love how it says that the, 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 the disciples, the apostles, they stayed in Jerusalem, but the others went. Philip went. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Philip, good job. He goes to Samaria and he preaches, and then you can read the story there. And then a little bit longer, a little bit later, in uh, verse 26, it says, As for Philip, a little bit later in the story, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. 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 <laughs> to Gaza. So he started out. So Philip, he's, he goes, he follows the Holy Spirit's lead, and he goes and preaches in Samaria. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, Go down to that desert road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Uh, Gaza. And he goes, and he's fulfilling this, this, this word that Jesus said to preach in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. He's like, I'm going for it. And so we come to, a, to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've spoken about this at least once here before. 
One of my favorite stories is, is what we're going to read, what I'm going to look at right now. I'll read again, verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So Philip is preaching in Samaria, and the Holy Spirit says, go down to this area, go down there, and you'll figure it out when we get there. So he goes down, and he sees a chariot going by, and, and the story tells us, Luke tells us here, that there's this, there's this treasurer from Ethiopia riding in a chariot, reading from the scroll of Isaiah, and Philip hears what he's saying, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, go talk to him, all right? The Holy Spirit said to Philip, verse 29, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Good question. Verse 31, the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? This is the passage that this Ethiopian treasurer was reading. And he's a little bit confused. He's reading from, I have it down here, Isaiah 53, uh, verse 7. He's reading from this, from this passage, and he says, down in verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Who's this who, what does this passage mean? Who is he talking about? Verse, verse, 50, verse 35, so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus, because Philip knew the answer. <laughs> he knew what this passage was talking about. He knew what Isaiah was prophesying. He knew what Isaiah was looking forward to. He knew because he had met Jesus himself, and now he sees somebody who's, who's reading the scripture, who's asking, what is this, what is it, what's going on in this passage? I don't even understand what I'm reading, and he says, I do. I'll tell you the good news. I'll tell you about Jesus of Nazareth. I'll tell you about the kingdom of God. Verse 36. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Verse 38. He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Why can't I be baptized? We get, a, a, we get a, quite a few details about this man. He's called an Ethiopian. He's called a treasure. He works for the queen. He's called a eunuch. If you don't know what that is, Google it, or maybe not Google it. Ask somebody. <laughs> he's a eunuch. And he's, he asked the question, can I, there's some water, can I be baptized? He's asking, do I matter? 
does what you say, this good news about Jesus, does this apply to me? Is this relevant to me? I know it's relevant to you. You're a Jew, and this is, this is a Jewish scripture, and this is Isaiah. I was a prophet for the Jewish nation. But I'm not a Jew. I'm very different in all kinds of ways. Do I matter? Is this relevant to me? And then what's really interesting about this, this passage here is if you have an English Standard Version or New Living Translation or NIV or, or some other versions, there's, there's a, an asterisk or there's a footnote that says some other translations have something else added. If you have a King James or a New King James, um, they add, where is it here? Not add. They have verse 37. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's a good verse. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Good verse. I want to submit a thought, though, to you. When, a little bit complicated, but follow, follow with me. The Bible was written, wasn't written in English, right? It was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic passed down through centuries of, of Bible of, of, of being copied and copies. And so we had the scriptures passed down to us. Some later copies of the scripture add this phrase in, add this verse in. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. The eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because that sounds like something that would be good to be in there, right? But earlier copies of the scriptures, many, many, many copies of the scriptures before that, don't have this verse in there. And frankly, I don't know if it, it doesn't change anything, except I think it really changes the spirit of what's happening. Because the eunuch says to Philip, there's some water, can I be baptized? And what should Philip's answer be? Yes. <laughs> and so we add this in, well, do you really believe? Yes, I believe. Okay, we're good to make sure we got all of our boxes checked. But that doesn't really fit with, the, with the, really the story. It doesn't really fit with the book of Acts. It doesn't really fit with what we see, the gospel being proclaimed in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and them going into new places, and, and new people being, being told the gospel, and people saying, well, I don't know if I should go talk to them over there. They're a little bit different. And, and God says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. For everybody, the gospel is for everybody. And so when the eunuch says to Philip, there's some water. Can I be baptized? There is no other answer. He wants to follow Jesus. He's just heard the good news. He's heard the gospel. He's heard about this Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, can I join the club? Can I, am I in? Do I matter? And Philip says, pull the chariot over. Let's go. This is significant. There's a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 23, and I wanted it specifically in the message translation because it won't make me blush. In Deuteronomy 23, one, look it up later in a different version. It says, no eunuch is to enter the congregation of God. The book of Deuteronomy, in the law of Moses, it says, no eunuch is to enter the congregation of God. The eunuch asked, Phil, asked Philip, can I be baptized? Well, I don't know. Deuteronomy 23.1 says no eunuch is to enter the congregation of God. But maybe, remember how I told you that he was reading Isaiah 53? 
And he asked, what does this mean? Well, Isaiah 56, 2 says, Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. I don't really belong. Make sure no physically mutilated person is ever made to think, I am damaged goods. I don't really belong. Make sure that no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class, I don't really belong. Make sure no physically mutilated person, eunuch, ever, is ever made to think, I'm damaged goods, I don't really belong. That is the heart of God. Old Testament, New Testament, cover to cover. That is the heart of God. Do I matter? Do I belong? Philip's answer, there's no barrier. Greg talked last week about the ways in which we divide ourselves. He talked about in the scriptures how there's a, a male and a female barrier. The scriptures is written from a very uh, paternal way of, way of speaking. They, they use male-dominated language. In the time of Jesus, uh, a woman was not allowed to testify in court. We... Thank God we figured that out. But in the time of Jesus, a woman was not, able, was not permitted to testify in court. Who did Jesus appear to first? A woman. Because I'm going to have a woman tell you the good news. Because he, he's constantly elevating. Wherever we have marginalized people, wherever we have put people to the side, God is constantly bringing them back in. Do I matter? The eunuch says. Pull over. Let's, let's do this. Let's get down in the water and baptize you. People want to know, do I matter? Because they don't feel like they do. There's a phrase in our culture Black Lives Matter. It's the question, the conversation around the phrase Black Lives Matter. Let me just ask the question, do Black Lives Matter? Yes. I don't think anybody actually, well, there's a few people, but most of us, the great majority of us believe, of course, Black Lives Matter problem is, is that there's some people who don't feel like they matter. There are a whole segment of culture, and it's not just Black Lives Matter. There's all kinds of ways that we divide. There's all kinds of ways that we marginalize, that we, that we, that we put people to the side. But when people are standing up and asking the question, Black Lives, do Black Lives Matter, or saying Black Lives Matter, it's because they, they feel like I don't matter. That culture says, I don't matter. And Jesus, the church, the gospel, we need to have a resounding yes to that question no matter how it comes. Yes, blue lives matter. Yes, all lives matter. Yes, black lives matter. The issue, though, is that there are some people who don't feel like they matter. Whether it's a race thing or it's Whatever it is, people struggling with depression, people struggling with whatever, people, 
feeling marginalized for whatever reason. And, and we're marginalizing people on all sides of every issue all the time. People feel like they're not heard. And they want to be heard. From every segment, every angle, every side of society. And the church should always say, yes, you matter. Every person, every broken person, every flawed, every, all of us are broken. And we have this very interesting story of an Ethiopian treasurer that works for the queen of Ethiopia who happens to be a eunuch, who is a, that's why he's the treasurer, because he's a eunuch. And he asks, there's some water. Does this story that you told me, does it apply to me? There's only one answer. As we, as we read the Bible, as we read these stories, as we, as we read the scriptures, I, w- I want to offer four simple thoughts. I have four blanks in, in, in your, in your, in your, uh, on your notes. As, as we read the scriptures, as we wrestle with the good news, as we wrestle with the gospels, as, as we read it, four thoughts. One, read it. That's the first one. Read it. The Ethiopian was reading the scroll of Isaiah. He had a copy of of the scroll of Isaiah, which are pretty rare at that time. He had a copy, and he's reading it. Having a little trouble with it, but he's reading it. Read, Read your Bible. Number two, invite the Holy Spirit into the process. In this story, we see Philip, the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go down to the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. The Holy Spirit says, go over to that man in the, in the, in the carriage. And he goes. When, when you open the scriptures, I invite you to invite the Holy Spirit. What are you saying here? Help me. Read it. Invite the Holy Spirit. Number three, read it in community. The Ethiopian said, how can I understand it if no one explains it to me? Philip says, I'll, I'll explain it to you. We, we, we need to interact around the scriptures. We need to interact around truth. We need to, to read it in community, to comment on, on the app or to comment on Facebook or sit down in your, in your home group or call somebody on the phone and say, what, what, are, you, what are you reading? How, how is this striking you? What, is this, what does this mean to you? It isn't that we all have different understandings of what we're reading. But we all pick up something different. We all have something to add. Read it together. And number four, act on it. (laughs) The Ethiopian said to Philip, there's some water. Can I be baptized? Pull the chariot over. Do something. Act on it. Put it into practice in your life. Bible reading is not meant to be an intellectual pursuit where we fill our heads with, with wisdom or, or we read things that, that, that build us up and make us feel better. It's supposed to change our lives. It's supposed to actually do something in us. It's supposed to change the way that we interact with, with our, our spouses and our, and our kids and our, and our, and our community and our bosses and, and every person. It's supposed to affect how you see the world, how you see yourself. 
how you receive love. I was sitting with a man this week who's really struggling physically, mentally, emotionally. And he, he's, he's asking the question, like, what, what, what more do I need to do? Nothing. Receive God's love. Receive grace. Receive love. Receive the words of Scripture into your, into your life, into your heart. Receive it. Act on it. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.